Good afternoon and welcome to Letter to Philippi Live, our daily broadcast as we go through Paul's letter to the Philippians, letter to Philippi, and we are continuing through now into Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 11, Paul's response to his opponents in, in verse 2 and 3, Paul deals with people who are bringing a false teaching to the people of Philippi. He's confronting them and warning the people of Philippi to avoid getting caught up in the false teaching of these, these ones who are coming to bring a different message about the Messiah, a different gospel, a different way of living life following the Messiah that is against what Paul has taught them. And now he, he goes into, into con, con, confronting their pride in their in whatever their false teaching is that, that at the base of it is pride. As we said, we, we don't know the identity of these false teachers, whether they be, be those who are, who are, who were teaching the Gentiles in Philippi, they needed to convert to Judaism after coming into to Jewish faith. And this would be an Jewish discussion between the people and Paul and confronting those who were saying that the Gentile believers in Yeshua in Philippi were not completely the people of God because they had not been circumcised and taken on full tour observance. But in this, we see Paul saying that the Gentiles can and should come to faith in the God of Israel as Gentiles. There's also the possibility that, as we see from the work of Mark Nanos, that these false teachers could, that he calls dogs, evil workers, and the mutilated, could be from the pagan cults, the, the Sibylli cult specifically, in Philippi, which include, included dog-like worship, evil actions because they're worshiping false gods, and the mutilation from them actually castrating themselves in the worship of the false god Sibylli. Now Paul will will confront these people, their pride, by sharing that if he was to, to hold up his, his background, which I call his Jewish resume, against them, that they, they, their, what they have pride about would fall, would fall to Paul's much better background. And then Paul goes on to say that the most important thing, the supreme value in his life, Zoom room value for all who follow the Yeshua the Messiah is knowing the Messiah, Yeshua's Lord. And Paul will say that everything in his life pales in comparison to that knowledge of Yeshua as his Messiah and Lord. So we begin with a word of prayer and then we'll look at Paul's Jewish resume and then how Paul will share in his own life how the, the supreme value, the thing that's the greatest value in his life is knowing Yeshua the Messiah and calling the people of Philippi to understand that in their lives, the most important thing for them is to know Yeshua the Messiah as Lord. And for us, reading these, these verses nearly 2,000 years later, for us to also understand the supreme value in our life is knowing Messiah Yeshua as Lord. Anything about us, anything of value in our lives pales in, in that comparison to knowing Yeshua Messiah as our Lord. So we begin with a word of prayer, and then we'll go into our study for today. Oh Lord, you're good. We thank you. We bless your holy name. For each day we get to look at your holy word, these words of your holy servant, Paul, Lord. Help us, Lord, to come to know you better today and to really embrace the greatness of knowing you, that the supreme value of knowing you as our Messiah and our Lord. And help us, Lord, to each day, as we do this, become more and more like you. We pray in the name of Yeshua, the name which is above all names. Amen. So today we'll be looking at Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 11. We'll first be looking at verses 4 through 6, which I entitled in my commentary, Paul's Jewish Resume. And then we'll be moving into Paul's speaking about the supreme value of knowing the Messiah. As he sets forward his, his spectacular Jewish resume, all the things that he could in his own self be, be 
filled with pride about. He then says, all of these great things that God has done in my life pales in comparison to knowing Yeshua as my Messiah and Lord. And he calls the people in Philippi and us by example to understand that the most important thing in our life is knowing Yeshua as our Messiah and Lord. And we'll begin with verses four through six. So I'll go to sharing my, sharing my screen here. We'll be looking at verses four through six, which entitled his uh, Paul's Jewish resume. So we'll get that on the screen. And we read, even though I have certain grounds for putting confidence in such things, if anything else, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for putting confidence in human qualifications, I have better grounds. Breach Malah on the eighth day by birth belonging to the people of Israel from the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew speaker with Hebrew speaking parents in regard to the Torah, a Parush, in regard to zeal, a persecutor of the Messianic community in regard to the righteous demanded by legalism blameless. Let's read that again as, we, as Paul puts forward his Jewish resume. Even though I certainly have grounds for putting confidence in such things, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for putting confidence in human qualifications, I have better grounds. Brit Malah on the eighth day, by birth belonging to the people of Israel, from the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew speaker with Hebrew-speaking parents, in regard to the Torah, a parush, in regard to zeal, a persecutor of the Messianic community, in regard to the righteousness demanded by legalism, blameless. So for those people who were, who were, who were showing pride coming to the people of Philippi with this message that that they had, as I said, whether it's it's an issue of them preaching the need for circumcision for circumcision and, and conversion of Gentile Yeshua believers to become Jews after coming to, to to faith in Yeshua, which is the majority view of commentators in this passage, or if it was to be as Nanos put forward, Mark Nanos put forward, that these false teachers coming to Philippi were actually from the the Sibylli called from the the pagan religions of of Philippi that was seeking to draw these new Yeshua believers into either leaving their faith or adding a syncretic mixing of Yeshua faith and Sibylli worship. And Paul Paul and whether whether as I said it's an issue of them them being teachers in in opposition to the Jerusalem Council ruling that Jews were to come to faith as Jews and Gentiles were to faith, come to faith in Yeshua as Gentiles and become righteous Gentiles without becoming Jews. Or, as I said, this was a, a pagan pagan teachers trying to draw people away. Still, the, the main issue behind them is pride. Pride in their, what they see their status is better than these Gentile Yeshua believers in Philippi. Many commentators see these verses as a way for Paul to out-credential out the opponents who are advocating for Gentile circumcision and Torah observance for Gentiles by putting before his spectacular resume. So Paul here says that, that, he, that he does not boast in the things of, of, of his flesh like these false teachers. But he said, but he, in these verses he says, but if I was going to boast, if I were to, to boast like these false teachers, I have a much greater background, a much greater, greater resume than anyone who could come in, in conflict with me. And that's the understanding of one people, of many commentators, understand that Paul here is basically trying to out-credential 
these false teachers coming to says, well, if you're in pride in whatever this false teacher you have, I have much more in my background, my education, my status as, as a Jew born, born to Hebrew, Hebrew speaking parents. So Paul here was, as understood by many commentators, was basically saying, if you, these false teachers, well, you have pride in your, your background. I've had much more to, to, uh, to say. I have much more behind my, my background that I can outdo you. And because of that, I'm the one the people in Philippi should listen to and not to you who are less, less credentialed. Paul here is placing before the people of Philippi and before these false teachers, his authority as teacher of the Philippian Gentiles. Paul here, Paul here, along with, with, with basically out, out priding the people by saying, if you have pride in this part of your life, I have much more to be proud of. He's also showing his authority as the teacher of the, of the Gentiles in Philippi. That he's, he's coming to say, I'm the one who brought the message of Messiah to them. I'm the one who is, has this background. I have, I'm the one who is the one that has authority in this situation. I'm the one who brought the message of the Messiah. I'm the messenger of Yeshua the Messiah to the Gentile world. And I'm the one who is the bearer of the true message about Yeshua, the true way of life for these Gentiles in Philippi. So in his setting forward, his background, his education, his understanding. On a positive sense, he's showing that I'm the one who has been given the calling to be the one, to be the one to bring the pure message to the people of Philippi. And I'm the one who has the authority over them. And those who are coming from the outside must understand that they are under the authority of Paul, because Paul is the one who is the apostle of the Gentiles. He's the one who established the Messianic community in Philippi, and he is the one who is God-ordained to be the one to, to bring the message of Yeshua, the pure message, the pure good news of Messiah to the people of Philippi. Paul is instructing the people in Philippi about their new life as Philippian Yeshua followers into conformity and into understanding their new life in the Messiah. Paul clarifies that not in this listing of his background, that not only is he a Jew, but he's a Jew par excellence. We see that he, become, he comes from observant parents who had him circumcised on the eighth day to observe Torah commands. According to Theodoret, a, an, an, an ancient biblical scholar, Cited in the ancient Christian commentary on scripture, Paul bolstered his authority by specifying his descent from Benjamin, Benjamin, the son of Rachel, Jacob's beloved wife. So Paul here mentioned that he's from the tribe of Benjamin, the child of Jacob's beloved wife, Rachel, to show his, his, his place of authority that he is one directly descended from Jacob, specifically from Rachel, his beloved wife. And that in that he has, he has a, a position to speak to these Philippians with the pure message of the Messiah. Paul's piece of his, in, in this here also was connection to and zealous practice of Judaism. He was a student of the great Jewish sage Gamaliel, which we read about in Acts 22.3. And, and Paul sought to advance in his learning and practice of Judaism to exceed his peers which we see in Galatians 1.14, where it talks about that he, he exceeded all of his peers in his study of Judaism. And he wanted to, and to prove himself as a faithful and zealous Jew for Torah. Paul here showed no dis dissatisfaction concerning his life as a Jew, as one who practiced Judaism with zeal, even though as far as claimed to be blameless. So in this, we see, see Paul making clear of his deep connection to to his Jewishness, his deep connection to Judaism and the practice of Judaism in his life, and that he, in contrast to those who see Paulus leaving 
his Jewish faith and his Jewish background to become Paul, that goes from Saul the, the Jew to Paul the Christian. Paul here is making clear that that in relation to the Torah, he he considers himself blameless. That he he has done done exceedingly in his practice of Judaism. According to Rabbi David Friedman, a most blessed memory, Paul speaks in the present tense of his life as a parush, as a Pharisee, presenting his Jewish resume. Paul's zeal motivated him to succeed in his, in his traditional Jewish studies as he sought the highest level of Torah observance taught by his teachers. Paul underscored in, Acts, in Galatians 1.14 that his zealousness included his zeal for the oral Torah the traditions passed down by his ancestors. Unfortunately, he admits his zealousness for his religious practice and for his love for Judaism led him to persecute the followers of Yeshua and seek to destroy the early Messianic Jewish community. In the detailed listing of his Jewish credentials, Paul expresses confidence in them in verse 4. We see Paul's abiding connection as a Jew to his people, to the Jewish people, when he formally describes them in Romans 9, 4, 5, as we read before in chapter 2, where these words are worth repeating here. The people of Israel, they were made God's children. The Shekinah, the very glory of God, has been with them. The covenants are theirs. Likewise, the giving of the Torah, the temple service, and the promises. The patriarchs are theirs. And from them, as far as his physical descent is concerned, came the Messiah, who is over all. Praised be Adonai forever. Amen. In saying that he is a Hebrew speaker with Hebrew-speaking parents, Paul emphasized that he lived within a Hebrew-speaking family and community, and therefore had a higher status than diaspora Jews. Paul stresses to his opponents the focus on human qualifications that he had better qualifications than he did, which would indicate his opponents could have been converts to Judaism, seeking to draw these, these, these now redeemed Gentiles in Philippi to also convert to Judaism like they had converted to Judaism, to, in essence, to be more a part of the people of God, or, or as we, we see in Galatia for them, somehow to be super, super Messianic believers by being both ones who would come to faith in Yeshua as Messiah, as Gentiles, and also converts to Judaism. Paul's list of his credentials and heritage in Philippians 3, 4 through 6, and in Romans 9, 4 through 5, brings to mind the Passover song, Dainu. In the song sung during the Passover Seder, we see a progression of 15 miracles performed by God for the Jewish people. Number one, if he had brought us out of Egypt. Number two, if he had executed justice upon the Egyptians. Three, if he had executed justice upon their gods. Four, if he had slain their firstborn. Five, if he had given us their health and wealth. Six, if, if he had split the sea for us. Seven, if he had led us through on dry land. Eight, if he had drowned our oppressors. Nine, if he provided for our needs in the wilderness for 40 years. 10, if he had fed us manna. 11, if he had given us the Shabbat. Number 12, if he had led us to Mount Sinai. 13, if he had given us the Torah. Number 14, if he had brought us to the land of Israel. 15, if he had built the temple for us. Following the recitation of each of these miraculous events in the life of the Jewish people, a course of Dainu, a Hebrew word meaning that would have been enough is sung. The recitation of each of these miracles from being brought out of Egypt to the building of the Holy Temple in Jerusalem would each in their own right be sufficient blessing that would have been enough from the God of Israel gifted to the people of Israel. Paul here is likewise listing his Jewish credentials minus his persecution of believers as blessings from God, each of which is of great value, such as each of the miracles in the song, which can stand alone as miraculous acts of love for Israel by God, 
with each new miracle being more of a blessing. As we'll see in verse 8, Paul's greatest dianium, blessing in his life, is knowing Messiah and following Yeshua as his Lord. Everything else about his life and heritage is valuable and a divine blessing, but they do not compare with the revelation of Yeshua in his life. After an extensive list of all he can boast about in his Jewish resume, and all that he had from birth and practice, Paul made clear to the Philippians that his only source of true confidence was in Yeshua, living in with, un with union with Yeshua as his Messiah and sole focus. So Paul has set forward to these people who were, who were coming to bring a false message to the people of Philippi, seeking to bring a message based in pride, then Paul makes clear that if he was to get into an argument based on pride with them, he could far outdo them by his own background, his own education, his own upbringing, his own family background. But he says that would be incongruous with his focus on the Messiah. But he, he lays before, he says, if I was to be prideful like these, these ones, I would be able to out, outdo them by my background. But now he's, saying, he's, he's moving in in these next verses to show that the supreme value in his life, the supreme value is knowing the Messiah Yeshua is Lord, that all of the great blessings in his life, as we saw, saw with the Dainu, that all the blessings, each one of those blessings of the 15 blessings of the Dainu that God gave to the people of Israel would have been enough, would have been, been a great blessing. And all of, all of the greatness of, of Paul's Jewish background and his practice of Judaism and his family structure were all each great blessings given by God to him. But we'll now see that the thing that is of supreme value above all to him is knowing the Messiah Yeshua as his Lord. We'll see that in verse 7 through 11. We'll start with verse 7. And we read, But the things that used to be advantages for me, I, because of the Messiah, come to consider a disadvantage. Paul realized that in Yeshua, Everything else pales, and that in his new in his this new life, his relationship with God was no longer based on his on his actions or human qualifications, and even his his genuine Jewish background, but instead life is in Yeshua, as biblical scholar Robert Sloan stated, and Paul says that he realized, having realized the Messiah had come. The Messiah, by God's plan and purpose, has suffered sacrificially for us and had been raised from the dead to start a new creation. Paul realized that those things he was depending on in the past were not sufficient to save. For Paul, knowing the Messiah and being integrated into the life of Yeshua, has so transformed him that his whole identity, from the time of his encounter with Yeshua on the road to Damascus, is now wholly about becoming more and more and more in the Messiah. And he calls the people of Philippi and us also to become more and more and more in the Messiah. The core of life for Paul is the transformation he had in his experience of coming to know Yeshua as the Messiah of Israel. Everything else in his life, including a sterling Jewish resume, cannot compare with his incorporation into the Messiah. His life itself is no longer his, but he now lives solely connected to and empowered by the Messiah. We can see this more fully in Galatians 2.20, where we read, when the Messiah was executed on the stake as a criminal, I was too, so that my proud ego no longer lives, but the Messiah lives in me. and the life I now live in my body, I live by the same trusting faithfulness the Son of God had, who loved me and gave himself up for me. 
rather than looking at his pre-Yeshua life in Judaism negatively, Paul is now in Messiah looking back on his whole life and reevaluing all of his life compared to knowing the Messiah. He doesn't look back in his life before knowing the Messiah negatively. As we, as we talked about a conversion from Judaism and Torah life and Messiah to now Paul the Christian. His life in Judaism is entirely now in Yeshua without rejecting his past. We can see Paul here in his use of advantage, disadvantage, using similar language to Yeshua in Matthew 16:26, where we hear from our righteous Messiah. What good will be to do, what will it, good will it do someone if he gains the whole world but forfeits his life? Or what can a person give in exchange for his, for his life? Here, our righteous Messiah Yeshua is contrasting gaining the entire world a great advantage, but at the great cost or loss of one's life. Unlike the person in Yeshua's example that chose advantages in this world over life in the world to come, Paul considers all of no advantage with the supreme knowledge of knowing Yeshua as his Lord and as his Messiah. In verse 8, we read, Not only that, not only that, but I consider everything a disadvantage in comparison with the supreme value of knowing Messiah Yeshua is my Lord. It was because of him I gave up everything and regarded all as garbage to gain the Messiah. As Paul had previously looked upon Yeshua and the Messianic community as worthless garbage, after his experience on the Damascus Road, he can now see Yeshua and the Messianic community as supremely valuable. Paul then makes a comparison in how he regards his Jewish identity as garbage compared to knowing the Messiah. Both were highly valuable. But now the new revelation made the new thing even more valuable. Paul's experience knowing Yeshua as Messiah and the Lord, the spiritual union of Paul with the Messiah was in incorporation into the life of Yeshua. Though many commentators interpret this verse as Paul's complete rejection of Judaism, as I said, referring to, to his previous life as rubbish or even stronger, stronger terms which are used in, for example, in the the Anchor Bible Commentary, which, which use, uses a form of the word excrement for how he referred to Judaism. A better understanding of Paul here is that his heritage of, of Jewish life paled so much in comparison to knowing the Messiah that it could be considered rubbish, that, that he's not saying that Judaism is rubbish, but he's saying that in comparison to knowing Messiah, everything else pales in value to the point that he can actually say that anything outside of knowing Messiah to him is rubbish. Stanley Stowers, a biblical scholar, said, Paul's narrative no more regards his past Jewish life as worthless than the exalted prerogatives that Messiah gave up should be regarded as worthless, rather the first pales in comparison to the second. Biblical scholar N.T. Wright said, said that Paul left behind, when he's talking about considering things garbage, he considered his life as a Pharisee now that he was in Messiah and no longer in the Pharisaic world. Though Paul's own words in his defense before King Agrippa near the end of his life showed Paul touting his Jewish bona fides and saying that even now at the end of his life that he was a parush, a Pharisee. If you read in Acts 26, 4 through 5, where we read, So then all Jews know how I have lived from my youth on, both in my own country and in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time, and if they're willing, they can testify that I have followed the strictest party in our religion. That is, I've lived as a parush. Perhaps 1 Corinthians 9, 20-21 best clarifies Paul's relation with the Torah. While affirming in verse 20, he is not in subjection 
to a legalist, legalistic perversion of the Torah, Paul does declare, does declare that he's not outside the framework of God's Torah, but within the framework of Torah as upheld by the Messiah. Paul as a Jew has found the fulfillment of the Jewish Messianic hope in Yeshua. In embracing Yeshua, Paul did not become a non-Jew, but a different Jew, a Jew that followed Yeshua. His embracing of Messiah Yeshua as his Messiah and Lord makes everything else in his life of lesser value. Paul now even sees those things of highest value, including a spectacular Jewish heritage and practice of Judaism, as valueless compared to knowing Yeshua and experiencing the new life that comes from union with the Messiah. Gaining Messiah is to Paul so profound and transformative that all else drops in comparative value. From this time forward, Paul continues living as a Torah faithful Jew, as we see in 1 Corinthians 9.21. Only now he does so as a Jew seeking to be more and more like Yeshua, our righteous Messiah. Paul can say with conviction, which we read in Acts 28.17, Brothers, although I have done nothing against either our people or the traditions of our fathers, I was made a prisoner in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. Paul made this statement near the time he wrote Philippians, based on understanding that the letters written during Paul's final imprisonment in Rome. Before the, before the Jewish leaders, Paul declared his faithfulness to the Torah, and even the traditions of our fathers, the oral Torah, the oral tradition of our people. These traditions, also known as the oral Torah, would later be codified in the Mishnah. Paul understood that in Messiah, his righteousness no longer depended on his work and observance, but the righteousness he attained was from his faith, trust in Yeshua. Paul could continue living as a Jew, knowing Messiah was the source of his righteousness, and that he could live out his life of Torah as an act of obedience alone, and not as a way of attaining righteousness, but simple obedience to the God of Israel as a Jew, living his life ordered by Torah. Paul now fully depended on the righteousness of his Lord Yeshua. From his encounter with Yeshua on the road to Damascus, Paul was on a lifelong journey to know Messiah more. Paul knew at the completion of his journey lay the Messiah and life eternal, and all he lost for that gain was well worth whatever was ahead. What Paul gave up to know Messiah could be his former career path in the larger Jewish world, as a Pharisee trained at the feet of Gamaliel, the great sage. Paul had before him the possibility of great honor and respect as one of the great Jewish teachers and sages, even following his teacher Gamaliel as a leader in the Sanhedrin. But he left this path, he left beside this path to go to choose another one, one that led toward Yeshua the Messiah. His choice was between being a respected sage and leader in the large Jewish world, or a persecuted emissary of Messiah Yeshua, and he chose the latter. Paul uses his rhetorical gifting to make clear to the Philippians the extreme value of knowing Yeshua and being incorporated into the Messianic community, which can render worthless to him in comparison everything except knowing Yeshua as Messiah, everything outside outside of knowing Messiah he can consider worthless or garbage. Early church father John Chrysostom, which is who wrote the homilies on the Philipp on Philippians in the fourth century of the Common Era, has been the basis for much of the anti-Judaism interpretation of this letter of Philippians. Yet, interestingly enough, in his homily on this verse, Chrysostom provides an interesting analogy and helps us to understand Paul's need to differentiate in shoes. And this is, uh, this is from, from Chrysostom's homily on Philippians chapter three, verse eight. And he wrote, for as a poor man that was in hunger, as long as he has silver, escapes hunger. But when he finds gold and is not allowable to keep both, considers it loss or worthless to retain the former. And having thrown it away, 
takes the gold coin, so also here, not because the silver is lost or garbage or worthless, for it is not, but because it is impossible to take both at once, but is necessary to leave one. So we see here in this analogy that, that Chrysostom said, as I said, he is infamous for the, the negative, negativity for Judaism that is un, even today in, in commentaries on Philippians. But in this, in this analogy he puts forward in on Philippians chapter 3, 8, in his homilies, he makes the comparison that we can, we can take here that of this poor man who has all of his worldly, worldly wealth in silver, which was, which was of, high, of high value. He has all, all, of, all he owns is in, is in this bag of silver. And in his journey, he comes across and he sees a bag of gold, which is far more valuable. And he's willing to consider the silver as loss or garbage or rubbish because of the greater value of the gold. And he can't carry both of them. So he lays aside and considers worthless the silver to take the gold. And in this, we can see, see a connection to what Paul is talking about, that all the greatness of his, of his background, his life, he can consider, consider it great blessing from God and great value. But in comparison to knowing the Messiah, he can lay that aside and focus solely on Yeshua as his Messiah. And even though the greatness of all that God has done before his is coming to know the Messiah in his life. The knowledge of Messiah makes everything else of lesser value or even worthless. Everything to Paul is about knowing the Messiah and anything of value in his life outside of that, he can, is willing to lay beside and to be a humble servant of the Messiah Yeshua. Next we will look at verse nine. which reads, and be found in union with him, not having any righteousness of my own based on legalism, but having the righteousness which comes through the Messiah Yeshua's faithfulness, the righteousness from God based on trust. Paul there states that the one thing of supreme value, rendering everything else worthless, is knowing Yeshua and gaining righteousness before God based on his trust, in Yeshua, and not in his human endeavors. It is by his union with the Messiah that he knows he now has righteousness based on Messiah's faithfulness. Paul expresses his hope in his union with Messiah, given that Paul has been granted the righteousness of Messiah by his trust in Yeshua. Paul knows now it is the righteousness of Messiah, not his own, that made him right with God. Paul had found the Messiah Messiah of Israel, the one to bring redemption to Israel and the nations. Paul's life radically changed from being a persecutor of Yeshua and his Talmudim, the disciples of Yeshua, to being a proclaimer of the message of Yeshua to the Gentile world. This union with Yeshua compelled Paul to devote the rest of his life to serving the Messiah. To those in Philippi who taught their righteousness before God was through Torah observance, and those who day, today who do teach the same. Paul here is clarifying that righteousness with God is solely in union with Messiah. Righteousness before God is only available through the atoning work of Yeshua, where he exchanged our sinfulness for his righteousness. In Yeshua, God stepped into history and provided a way for final right standing for those who trust in Yeshua as Messiah and Lord, which we see in Jeremiah's prophetic words. In Jeremiah 23, 5 through 6. The days are coming, says Adonai, when I will raise a righteous branch for David. He will reign as king and succeed. He will do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Yehuda will be saved. Israel will live in safety. And the name given to him will be Adonai Sukenu, Adonai our righteousness. Paul is making sure via his own experience the Philippians know the righteousness of God is available only in Yeshua. Any effort of seeking righteousness before God outside of Yeshua falls short. In Romans, Paul spoke of the righteousness of the observant Jewish community when he wrote in Romans 10, 1 through 4, 
brothers, my heart's deepest desire, and my prayer to God is for Israel, is for their salvation. For I can testify in their zeal for God, but it's not based on correct understanding. For since they are unaware of God's way of making people righteous, and instead seek to set up their own, they have not submitted themselves to God's way of making people righteous. For the goal at which the Torah aims is the Messiah, who offers righteousness to everyone who trusts. Paul's point in Philippians 3.9 is that the only righteousness that he, the Philippians, and for us need, it, need in our lives is through the trust, our trust in Yeshua, and not righteousness through our own endeavors, but only in the, the atoning work of Yeshua, our righteous Messiah. Our right standing for God is based on the righteousness of, of Yeshua being given to us through his atoning work for us. His giving his life as an atonement for sin is our way of having the righteousness that we can stand before a holy God. In verse 10, we read, Yes, I gave it all up in order to know him. That is to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings as I'm being made conformed to his death. Let me read that again. Yes, I gave it all up in order to know him that is to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings as I'm being conformed to his death. Paul reflects on Paul reflects on what he gave up as stated above, considering all that he had previously valued in his life, even a spectacular Jewish resume, to fully know Yeshua and to model himself like his Messiah, he was willing to give up everything in his life for the sake of knowing the Messiah and knowing, becoming more and more and more in the Messiah. We can see Paul here acknowledging that in Yeshua, he has received what Moses and the other prophets had hoped, the reality of intimately knowing God because of the work of Yeshua, our Messiah, on our behalf. This reality even included taking on the suffering like his master is in seeking to more fully know Yeshua and experience the power of the resurrection life in Messiah that has become Paul's sole passion. Considering his Damascus Road experience, Paul's life is now a continuous striving to conform himself to the Messiah and to gain the resurrection that only Yeshua offered. So Paul here is, is, is making clear his striving now is solely to know Yeshua more, to be more and more like the Messiah, to model him like the master, and that everything that could be of value in his life can now be set aside for the sole knowledge of the Messiah and knowing the power of his resurrection and even to share in his sufferings. And even as we see, Paul will lay down his life for the Messiah, soon being executed under, under the Roman Emperor Nero. Now, Paul, in seeking to know the, the resurrection of the Messiah, was also willing to know the death of the Messiah and know the, the willingness to like the Messiah, to lay down his life for the one who brought him into full atonement, into a full relationship, a full understanding of the God of Israel in Messiah Yeshua. And our final verse we'll be looking at today is verse 11, which I, which, uh, I actually read, read to, to you. We'll, we'll conclude that with it, where it, sa it says, so that I somehow might arrive at being resurrected from the dead. Both verse 10 and 11 were included on the one slide. Paul here is not questioning his eternal destiny, but here he is stressing the importance of his own actively striving to model Yeshua in his life. Paul is, is secure that his life eternal is secured in the Messiah. And he's not questioning that here, but he is striving to become more and more like the Messiah in this life, as he knows that he will be in full connection with the Messiah in when his life comes to an end 
and in the world for world forever, life eternal with the Messiah. He knows that it is sure, but in this life, he wants to continue to strive to become more and more and more and more like the Messiah until that final day of resurrection from the dead. He wants to continue to do all he can to focus his life and to model the master and to become, as we said, more and more and more in Messiah. Paul understood that his goal of his life was the resurrection and eternal life with Yeshua. And he can go on to say, say that in Romans 8, 18, I don't think the sufferings we're going through now are even worth comparing with the glory that we revealed to us in the future. So we see here in this lesson, Paul is putting before these false teachers a spectacular Jewish resume saying, if you're pride, proud over whatever your false teaching is, I have a much greater background. I have a much greater education. Plus, I was called as the one to bring the message of the Messiah to, to the Gentile world, to the people of Philippi. I'm the one sent by Yeshua the Messiah to give them the word of the, of the Messiah. But he says, if, 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 we were, if this was to be a boasting contest, I can far out boast you by, by my, back, my, my family background, my religious observance. But he says, the important thing is not what things we are, we are proud about from our lives, but are any, are any source of pride that we have, anything that we, see, we want to focus on is knowing the Messiah Yeshua. And that everything in his life, Paul's life, and he confers on to the Philippians and us, by example, to understand the thing that is of supreme value that makes everything else in our lives of lesser value, even worthless or garbage, is the knowledge of Yeshua the Messiah, to know Yeshua the Messiah as Messiah and Lord. And that is what our calling is. That is what we are, are called to understand, that it is in Yeshua. That, that is our true life. Everything else about it are great blessings in our lives. But the supreme value is knowing the Messiah and knowing the life that only he can bring by his atoning death and his resurrection. The life that we have is because of the Messiah and our status, our divine, our, our eternal status is secured in him. He is, he is our hope in a hopeless world. And Paul calls the Philippians and us by example to understand that our focus in our life should be on knowing the Messiah more, living for the Messiah, and understanding that the greatest value in our life is knowing Yeshua and becoming more and more and more like our master. So that's what Paul, Paul is teaching the people of, of Philippians today and us as we look to this, that if we are to have a focus in our lives, it should be on the Messiah Yeshua and seeking to be more and more like our master. And even as Paul says, be willing to even be, even to sacrifice and to suffer for him because he has done so much for us and he is the, our supreme value in our life. So that will conclude our time today as we looked at Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 11. As we looked at what I entitled the section, The Supreme Value Knowing the Messiah is Yeshua's Lord. And we'll continue our study tomorrow with uh, verse 12 through 17 of chapter 3, where Paul continues teaching about the new life in Messiah, that after he's confronted these false teachers, now he is moving on to teach more on living like the Messiah, living in the new life in the Messiah that he is calling to live with people in Philippi and us by example that now that he has set forward the supreme value of Yeshua in our lives, he's now teaching us to continue to live and to grow more and more like our master. And we'll see that in our next section, the New Life of Messiah, which is chapter 3, verses 12 to 17. And we'll see that tomorrow on Letter to Philippi Live, which we are here Monday through Friday, 12 p.m. Pacific time, 2 p.m. Chicago time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 p.m. Jerusalem Time. And uh, we'll continue our study of Paul's letter to Philippi with verses, verses 12 through 17 of chapter 3, The New Life in the Messiah.
The Letter to Philippi is an is a initiative of the new Messian Jewish organization, lettertophilippi.org. And you can go to our website, lettertophilippi.org, to ask any questions you have about our work. You can read documents we have on what, what we believe, what is our mission statement. You can purchase a copy of our Messianic commentary on Philippians that this class is based on. You can watch previous class videos. We have them posted on our on our teaching section. You can make a much needed contribution to our work, either a one-time contribution or an ongoing contribution to support the work of Letter to Philippi. We're an independent organization, not supported by any outside work. We're supported solely by those who are willing to, to uh, make a contribution toward our work, to keep us broadcasting this the program daily. And also as we're looking at new initiatives that we'll be starting in 2022. We have our, our we've started our Messian Jewish Review of Books with our first review on, on Mark Nanos' book, Corinthians and Philippians within Judaism. And we'll be adding at least two new, new uh, reviews each month on books by Messian Jewish authors and also books from the, the larger academic world focused on the Paul within Judaism area of study and also books reflected on the building of a Messian Jewish future missing Jewish theology. So again, we'll be looking at Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17 tomorrow. And thank you for watching. And uh, we are uh, done for today. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow as we continue this study, looking at Paul's letter to Philippi. Mr. Sloan for now, and see you tomorrow as we continue looking at Paul's letter to Philippi, here from Letter to Philippi, New Messian Jewish Theological Teaching Organization. For more information, go to lettertophilippi.org. Shalom.